0: welcome to relaxed and free a clinically minded biblically based counseling podcast i'm your host carrie corley here with my good friends doug Bonebreak and francis o'donnell and still in studio the infamous <laughs> ann <laughs> svensson <laughs> and the crowd goes wild <sighs>
1: <laughs> infamous has never been used to to describe me well when this I'm glad when this
2: gets
0: 1.5 million downloads and
2: it's gonna change okay as well, they, they say in the biz when this thing drops that's right <laughs> yeah.
3: is that what they say in the biz doug i don't know yes okay thank I, you i think so um well, Let's go with, yeah. Hey, that's what all the <laughs> when kids are That's what all the kids are saying. Yeah. That well, is what all the kids are saying. I am, I am so no I longer to, a
2: kid.
0: <laughs> I have to admit, oh, oh, oh snap. I was like, man, there's so many directions we can go with that, but I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I made a mistake as we closed out our interview portion in saying that we were going to be talking about uh, the abuse of women in this episode. We're not going to be talking. So, anyone who was very excited about that, I'm sorry. We're actually going to be talking about, we're going to continue uh, the discussion on childhood abuse. Mm -hmm. And so we're, uh, because Anne is uh, specialized in that, she's uh, really good here uh, in in Lakewood Family Therapy, working with kids who've had abuse. And so she's going to be talking about that uh, Mm -hmm. from a therapist's lens, um, how to treat childhood sexual abuse and childhood abuse in general. So uh, without further ado, Anne, why don't you take us away? How do you what's your what's your uh, favorite form of treatment or or what's the best treatment out there? What
1: the one that I find that the treatment that I find that's comfortable is trauma focused uh, cognitive behavior therapy. One of the things I really like about it is that it's not um, defined, but it has flexibility. So that if a child comes in and already has good recognition of language or um, they've already described sexual abuse and created a narrative, a story around it, that you can use this program flexibly. The thing I like about it as well is that it doesn't just um, discuss thoughts. They're very aware of feelings and safety. Uh, it's a collaborative program with the parent. Uh, takes. I like that. I do too. Actually, the child and parent relationship should be reinforced in fifty percent of the sessions and the treatments.
0: Amen. 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 Yes. All counselors out there, who <laughs> see children. Listen to that. Quit getting the parents out of therapy. Involve them in therapy. All right. Off my. Off my. Uh, uh,
1: and here's the soapbox. But yeah, what? No. If,
3: but I mean, what if? Sorry. What if they're the problem? Yes. Well, of course they are. That's why they're there. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, Actually, let me say this. Uh, Parents lack parenting skills because of the way that they were raised or the influence of other things around them. The beauty of this program is that there's space to meet with the parent and have an honest discussion about what we're going to be doing with their child what the phases are. They're basically just three simple phases. It's actually a shorter therapy, but because the parent is involved, they observe the therapist and the children repeat back to the the parent the important lessons that they've learned. So um, it's also based on uh, discipline related to ignoring bad behaviors rather than spanking or other forms of discipline because this is already a traumatized child Um, i have one client who came in and mom wasn't sure sat down and created a collaborative relationship based on good advice that i received and encouragement Um, and we are on a steady path now Mm -hmm. the first three sessions were rough but you can always redirect um, and correct mm-hmm. and
3: <clears throat> absolutely
1: and yeah. if the parent's not on board then you treat the child
3: yeah yeah so so you're you're starting with the child and the parent together right? after
1: the third after the third Session
2: and th- that's assuming mm-hmm. that's assuming that the the abuser is not the parent.
1: Yes, correct. This is the non-abusive. Okay. There it is.
3: Sitting here trying to do the math of like how the. Yeah. yeah. I, I, didn't call yeah. That out. I was going. Thank I was, you, Yeah. So, so I good. was
0: about to say something. It was like because yeah. that's you know, important some some. Perpetrator out there is going to be like, Well, I listened to Relax and Free podcast, and they said that I'm supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> no, the we answer. didn't. I'm telling my story. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling my side of the story. <laughs> no, no perpetrators yeah. in no. counseling. Absolutely yeah. none. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. okay. none. But parents who are not perpetrators, uh, yes, try. And everything's not perfect. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is just a framework. But uh, try and incorporate them in therapy. Mm-hmm. So even though it is hard. The reason that we the reason that we give up a lot of times is because it is hard. Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't give up just because of that.
1: No. And our it also goes to the philosophy I have with counseling, which is a collaborative relationship. Mm-hmm. Whether I agree with the parent or not, um, whether I agree with what's happening around the family or not. I want them to be able to recognize their own needs outside of me telling them. And that happens through discussion. Tell me what's happening. And people are incredibly resilient. Yes. Uh, And when they're given another option in the way they behave, the way they feel, the way they act, if they're motivated, they naturally follow along and uh, real change happens.
2: And can I just... Can I just do a quick sidebar just because sure. I don't want this to be confusing. So before you come to therapy with a child that's been sexually abused, there's going to be some other steps. Yes. There, there's going to be the first step is to to report what's going on. There And there is a child abuse hotline that, that, that you mm-hmm. should call if you suspect it. And you're not responsible as the parent or the person that makes a phone call to do the investigation. Yeah. You're, and if you're a mandatory reporter, you need. Right. Which and therapists are. Yes. And they're trained professionals that are going to do that. The step then you will get into therapy because there yes. is legal. It's against the law, you know. And so right. so if you're out there as a parent and you're thinking, well, you know, this happened, you, you need to report it.
1: Absolutely. That is the first step is taking legal action. Um, it ensures the child that they're going to be protected. Um, It takes a lot of courage for for little ones to go even to a parent and admit what's happened. Again, I'm going to repeat again that there's a lot of shame and guilt around this issue. Um, And sometimes they well, and I'm an example of this. I didn't tell my mom for 30 years.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, because they've been groomed by things like, you know, you're going to ruin the family or this is our this is our special little secret. You know, and so
1: or I will hurt you. Yes, or,
2: or, say, yeah. or, I'll, hurt yeah. you, or I'll hurt the whole family. I'll hurt yeah. you. I'll hurt. I'll hurt your
0: siblings. Yeah. Yes,
1: but let me step back because I think there's even confusion about what sexual abuse is or what physical abuse mm-hmm. is. And I looked at a couple of different definitions. My favorite, though, and it's it's pretty much um, technical, but read between the lines and take time and think about it. It is, and this is um, a federal act from 19, Violence and Adoption Family Services Act of 1992. The employment use, persuasion, inducement, incitement, or coercion of a child to engage in or assist any person to engage in sexually explicit conduct for stimulation of the abuser. If the exploitation, If the exploitation of children um, is suspected, it is a very complex issue. And I agree with you, Francis. you need to bring the authorities in. A lot of parents are afraid to do that because information is going to be um, learned about the family that usually is kept within the circle of the family. But um, the overall goal, you have to stop and think about the goal of protecting your child. Because this will have lifelong effects on them. Mm -hmm. It'll change the way they see the world, the way they think, the way they act. It'll change their brain development and also their physical development. Um, They're finding now that children who have been exposed to any kind of sexual abuse actually mature physically, um, hit puberty earlier than the average child because that part of the brain has been stimulated. And they need support for that. It's also going to affect the way that they connect to in marriage um, sexually and the way that they view their spouse. Uh, it undermines their trust of others and creates so much anxiety because a child can't logically reason through what's happened to them. They don't have that capacity. They need an adult to step in listen patiently and that's actually the first step a parent can take as well is if they're showing symptoms like a stomach ache those are real those are incredibly real it's a sign of the level of stress that that child is experiencing and they need a parent to come along soothe them you know i think of a a, ch- a toddler running to a mama and what does mama do when they're hurt picks them up and holds them and tells them they're going to be okay that will work through this that that they're there for that little one, that child um, reassures the child that there's hope. There's truly hope. Um, it's actually, guys, happens so much more often than what we think. Mm-hmm. Between 2 and 5% of girls are abused sexually, nationally. Um, that's not said to make parents fearful but we need to be observant. We
4: mm-hmm.
0: need to yeah, be realistic about the numbers. <laughs> yeah. And and it's yeah. also boys too. Yes, you know?
1: absolutely. I was just yeah. going to say that. It's um, one out of five girls and one out of 20 boys.
0: And there's actually some really uh, good uh, evidence that um, those, are, those numbers are higher because yes. of underreporting.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know,
0: like you said, a lot of families keep it quiet. Right.
1: Well, it's shameful right. to the family. Right. Mm-hmm. Where were, you know, the questions that pop up for a parent is where were you when this was going on? Mm-hmm. Why weren't you there? Your family must be sick, especially if it's um, sibling mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it It's just a scary thing. And it's really good to have the support around you of those that can help you navigate those fears and, and the anxiety. Um and the abuse isn't just to the child, it's to the whole family. Mm-hmm. Because it changes the family dynamics and it does involve where was I, you know, questioning the the parents motive. Yeah. Um, so so.
0: Um, we have uh, listeners who are pastors mm-hmm. and they're getting their um, counseling advice from us. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I want to do then, because pastors are on the front line, a lot of times abuse uh, is reported to them first, yes. whether they're a youth pastor or whether they're a family pastor or a senior pastor, doesn't matter. Um, they are, are one of the people that's on the front line. So mm-hmm. Francis covered, you know, reporting so and um i uh it's as a pastor you're a reporter so yes you you will you will need to report any kind of suspected abuse okay and then um when it comes to helping this family in your church Mm -hmm. i want to talk a little bit about that um how can the uh christian therapy community Uh, best support pastors, what can pastors do to handle this, the news, handle Mm -hmm. um, maybe even gossip that's Mm -hmm. going on in the church community,
2: all of those things.
0: I'd like to open that up. Well,
2: so first, do you mind if I- Not at all. Francis, Francis, go for it. Francis here, the pastor (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So every church should have a good risk management plan, which means that um, you should have a plan to, to deal with this Ahead of time, before you know, it should be proactive, not reactive, to situations mm-hmm. like this. So, working with your insurance company will help you develop a good risk management plan. Which uh, the bare minimum is 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 screening of yes. everyone. But understand, you need to choose the right kind of screening because some of mm-hmm. them are national screenings. So, mm-hmm. predators will be on some sort of list, and so you need to be aware of that you also need to get online and figure out who's in your neighborhood. There's mm-hmm. ways to do less checks to see who's in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm the way you physically structure your rooms the way you create policies where people aren't alone mm-hmm. um, the way you have windows uh, in indoors so people can so you always always want to create this risk management policy where you're keeping kids safe and and pastors I'll be honest with you if you, your insurance is if they don't require it now they're going to require it yeah and they will walk you through it. We, we went through a safe child plan in the churches that I the church I recently pastored, and it's, it's a great program. The other thing too is a lot of pastors, they don't know what to do um, because they don't have a background in counseling or social worker or, or and so our law enforcement. So if you're a pastor, you should know um, the social workers in your church, the counselors, mm-hmm. the police officers in your church where you can get great advice on how to deal with situations like this. But the first thing is you are a mandatory reporter mm-hmm. You need to call, okay, and, and you need to call, and so it gets really fuzzy sometimes because someone will come to you and say, "Hey, this happened," and so there, you got to figure out what the difference between hearsay and a credible thing is. So, there have been times where I told people you need to you need to make that that call also, so because a lot of times it's more than one person that's making that phone call, right? Um, but also, when you make that call, you know this is these are confidential calls; you don't mm-hmm. have to announce it to the world that. Because people need to be able to investigate that. You don't Absolutely. need to you don't need to alert the family that you hotlined them right. Um, that way, you know, a, an investigation can happen. And unfortunately, sometimes in the church because people um, I would call it, we're praying for people, you yeah. know, <laughs> uh, gossip. Yeah. And so information can get out there. And so sometimes you just have to tell people, you need to understand that this situation was handled in a private and professional and safe way. Because a lot of times people just want to know what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if if there's an incident that is is you know what's going on, you need to remove if if the perpetrator's in church. If, even if there's a, a hint of gossip, you need to remove that person until an investigation is done. You can't just leave someone in there.
1: Right.
2: Um, and especially
0: if they're a volunteer yes. with youth or something like that.
2: Well. Even if they're a long term volunteer. Right. Because you yeah. know because perpetrators they people who prey on children and Tina teen, teen and I'm gonna put teenagers in there too
0: mm-hmm, absolutely
2: they love they want to volunteer for youth group mm-hmm. and they're gonna go from church to church they they want to be involved in scouts they want to be volunteers at school because mm-hmm. they want an opportunity because they are they are sick individuals mm-hmm. you yep. know and so those are that's those are some things that you can do Um, but you need to have you need to have someone that you can refer people to
1: yes Absolutely, and I would even add something else to the church's responsibility. I think the church has a responsibility to um, to do a background screening on every volunteer that works yes, with, with, yeah, with we, children. That, that's what every I was saying. One. That
2: there has to be a national background check, right. yes. not not just state. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And yes, a- yes, it's expensive, but it will prevent. Harm to the church. It's worth every dollar. It yep. is worth every yep. dollar. Yep. On every so million. many
0: levels.
2: Yes. Worth every dollar. Whether you're a church of 10,000 or a church of 100, you needed to be doing background checks on yeah. all your and, workers. And,
0: you know, uh, it's really um, because it's becoming so prevalent now mm-hmm. and the insurance companies are requiring it, the cost is actually continuing to go down to run background checks and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, um, and uh, and I can't emphasize enough that um, even if they're a long-term member, long-term volunteer that's been serving in your youth group or serving with Boy Scouts or whatever for the entire time you've been there, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. No. Have them screened. Right. And you know what? Um, it, speaking on characteristics of abusers and stuff, the people who have a heart for ministry and the people who have a heart for those kids are not going to care. Mm-hmm. Okay? No, they're not. They're going to be like, oh, absolutely,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, from a practical side, pastors budget for it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> About,
2: just put it in your budget. That's, yeah, that's just yeah. part of that's the cost of doing ministry.
1: We know what, and you can also do some low key um, education with your volunteers that are working with children, because kids will. Um, there will be behavioral changes. They'll be more anxious. They'll be resistant to going places or being with someone. Um, And if any volunteer sees an excessive increase in that, um, it's helpful to have an adult that just steps in and says, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Even if they deny it, even if they don't say that anything's wrong, at least you're building a bridge for them.
2: So, Anne, what are some things that, let's say, youth worker or children's worker, school teacher, what are the things that they need to look for when they suspect that in a child?
1: Yeah, short. Actually, this is for parents as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's short term uh, psychological problems where they become angry. They do vary a great deal. I can't give you a list that's definitive. Right. But the behaviors there's a marked behavior change um when they get anxious and depressed and anger is a big marker that Mm -hmm. something's wrong um if they have guilt and shame that's another significant marker um they're eight times more likely to start cutting or hurting themselves um, in some kind of way so uh, there are also more subtle of, uh, symptoms, and those are noncompliance, mm-hmm. aggression, avoidant behaviors, um, truancy, especially in the teen years, and acting out sexually. Yeah, so, the,
2: the sexualization of environments. I remember that in my mm-hmm. child abuse class that I took. Yeah. You know, that yeah. they can. What sexu- does that
3: mean? Like, can you define that sexualization of the environment?
2: Yeah. Like so, Using let's, your environment? No, but the, the way they play with dolls, mm-hmm. um, oh, the, the yeah. way they begin to, to dress or the way they. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they start flirting with boys or if it's a girl start flirting with boys or touching, more touching. That's normal.
2: Inappropriate touch. No know, lack of boundaries. lack of boundaries physically. Yeah, So that's um, that's what I mean. A lot of times.
0: But, <laughs> Uh, a lot of times you know, I'll have parents uh, ask me questions, whether that's a church or counseling or whatever, and, and you know, we can give them these um, federal definitions and, right. and and can get kind of confusing because parents are like, I feel like you just recognized or, or identified every 14 year old out there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yes, I, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. And so parents get confused, they get turned around, mm-hmm. and then some parents who are more aware get really anxious that something bad's mm-hmm. happened, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, and then some parents just dismiss it altogether. The truth of the matter is, is as a parent, I want you to trust yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you think something's up with your kid, have them checked out. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. To have a third party that you trust, just sit down with them for a few sessions and try to determine what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, worst uh, case scenario is something is going on, whether that's abuse or whether that's something else, you know, but best case scenario is. They sit in there for three or four sessions, and the counselor says, "You know, I think everything's okay. They're mm-hmm. just struggling with this breakup, or they're struggling with this, uh, particular, you know, this particular thing." And uh, but it, I think you're good to go, you know. Yeah. And then you don't sweat it. You're like, "All right," and, and it's just worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth yes. it to to have somebody uh, uh, that you trust and that you know to to look in on things that are and going I, on.
1: And I think that's necessary and important um when my son had that mild abuse in my gut i knew something was wrong Mm -hmm. and god's given that to us to observe our children and see changes that are out of character
3: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really important that part is the change Mm -hmm. yes right you have to have you have to have your established baseline Mm -hmm. and then you're looking for a trend in another direction or like this is something they never used to do before and so on so um that's that's what all of that was playing back (laughs) to me in my head Mm -hmm. but i have a question about this this is the cynic in me what is the prevalence do you estimate i don't i don't expect you to have the data on this what's the prevalence of the parent having a hunch and the kid using that for special treatment um, or the parent projecting like a Munchausen type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's they're they're making up, they're fabricating an illness. Okay. What's I'm just curious if we have any sort of a gauge on how what's the likelihood that me that being, someone
0: would feign abuse,
3: yeah, or well, a parent yeah. would would
0: manifest it in
3: their own, yeah, mind? either that they would do that or that the kid would use it as special treatment because they got pulled out of class or on Wednesdays they get to go do this and it could be traumatic. So now they get ice cream or whatever. And they don't, they don't really see the rep, the repercussions of, yeah. of leaning into it. Right. Because yeah. they just see, Oh, I'm not, I don't have to go to school. <laughs> right.
0: I have answers for that, but if, go ahead. Go okay. Go ahead. And then yeah, then Cause that on. is, you know, um uh when I first started counseling in 2011, I was with Dallas children's advocacy center. So, mm-hmm. um and then I've, Uh, answered lots of questions like that from parents because it's a legitimate question. It's like, what if my kid's just making all this up? Um, I don't know of any research out there that says, that gives a number statistically of how many cases are fabricated or anything like that. I'm comfortable in saying that it would be very low. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also, and one of the reasons that is, is I'm comfortable in saying that if your child or teenager is willing to fabricate abuse in order to get out of school. You got some other stuff going on that still needs to be investigated.
3: Right. right. <laughs> well, right. I, so like I could see me doing this. <laughs> well, Doug, but you might have some was, stuff going on. that needs to be investigated because I was bored. I was bored at school, notoriously. So I could. This is why I'm like, but if did, my kids as clever as me, you didn't do that. No, right. Uh, and why? Not that I know. Of. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did go to counseling like for a short spell. Okay. But, yeah. And I think I talked about this on another thing. Yeah, 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 I just played with the Legos. Yeah. And so I yeah. wanted to keep going back, but I think they saw through me because I wasn't really <laughs> committed to having a problem like that didn't register in my brain that oh if i faked something but like Lindsay said the other day and um we're recording this shortly after i forget his name which is awful the the bills player collapsed right Uh Lindsay said the other day at one of her schools one of the kids came in and said i had a heart attack and they had to give me cpr and i slept for a little bit for a long time in the nurse's office and like recreated the entire thing
1: oh goodness
3: and like you know to have a problem But also, you know, I think he was kind of empathetically attached to that. Right. Yeah. But I just I worry about this because I'm like, this is something I would probably do. And so if I go too fast (laughs) with with one of my kids. Right. And I'm I'm trying to do this. And so, um, yeah, I guess it's just an interesting concept.
1: (laughs) I understand the question. But there's one one factor you're leaving out. And that is that the observation of the adults. And adults are observant, especially parents, and mm-hmm. know their kids. Generally, a child who claims abuse, that's not true, does not have the level of dis- of emotional problems.
3: Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah it, it should have already been filtered through yeah. the parents looking for that change. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I think back to the good.
1: old adage, fool me once, shame on you. Fool right. me twice, shame on me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, and then uh some of these questions too come out or arise from the fear that there will be this witch hunt. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Uh because, you know, in the past, uh, there has been that, right? Mm-hmm. There has been um I won't say unworthy, but uh unwise mm-hmm. adults who have you know taking information from an uh a source and then they have enough power in their small community or town or whatever it is to create this witch hunt but um i uh, again i'm confident in saying that that is the small you know percentage of of cases and even in the cases where there is this like witch hunt type thing going on mm-hmm. it eventually does s- stop like mm-hmm. someone gets a hold of it and it's like wait a minute how do we know that any of this happened and they're like well don't ask questions and it's like oh now i'm gonna ask more
1: <laughs> do you know i'd like to see the paradigm shift of parents attitude attitude and trust in those that are professionals that they will be able to get to the bottom line.
3: Mm-hmm. If
1: there's a suspicion, call CPS or whatever the designation is in your area—Child Protective Services. Um, that's important. Yeah. Um, if you have if you have real cause to believe, call a therapist. Let them do an an evaluation. It may be a one time visit. Yeah. If it's a repeated behavior,
0: that's right.
1: Um, that's what we're in the. That's why we're here is to help to determine the severity. Um, Actually, most parents really don't want to know the details of what happened to their child because it creates a lot of fear for them. Mm. Um, And I think sometimes parents don't understand that that's the exact thing that that the child needs. Mm -hmm. But uh, a professional can help with that.
2: Yes, they can. And the, parent, and the professional also can help with the parent deal with all the issues that arise from, like you said, the collaborative counseling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there are issues related to that. What could I have done? What should I have done?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, And treatment does not have to be long and drawn out. Um, as I mentioned, the um, trauma-focused behavior, a cognitive behavior therapy model. Um, Say it
0: four more times really fast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they offer certifications and classes for therapists in that, but for the parents, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that you want to go to a trained professional, someone with some background yes. and has some understanding, and trust that with that training, they're they're not they'll be able to judge uh, and have an objective view of what your child's going through. Um, and there are a lot of resources online, like Carrie yeah. mentioned in the last podcast. Um, but I, my heart goes out because it's a hard thing to face for yes, parents to know their children have been harmed. Yeah, um, it's it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if I can step back into the trauma therapy, how the, the um, it works as a general yes, please rule do. is it's again I'm going to restate it's a collaborative treatment. The focus is on building coping skills for both the parent and the child, because this does infect the whole family. Sometimes other family members need to be brought in. Um, There's also an element of focus on creating those healthy relationships so that a child can uh, continue to um, go to their parent. They'll build confidence in their parent. Um, It's hard for a little one. It just is. Um, This particular, one of the things I like about this particular treatment is that I can bring in attachment, um, the way the child interacts with other people and gains confidence in relationships. Um, We touch on their development, both neurologically, so their cognitive development, and also their emotional development. Children are not born... With the ability to cope with big problems, can you
0: tell me from a so I'm so I'm a parent mm-hmm. and I'm bringing my kid into therapy. I'm already mm-hmm. this whole thing has been exhausting. Mm-hmm. I, my kid's been through you know what feels like fourteen interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all poking and prodding at their memory, and um, and here I am talking to a stranger. about some of the most difficult times that i've ever experienced in my entire life um what does that practically look like from a therapist standpoint how do you love me well how do you love my kid well how do you gain my trust Mm -hmm. all those things
1: um a lot with children even with teens with little ones and with teens the very first step and also with the parents has to be building trust so Although some parents may feel like the kid, their child is coming in and not making progress, there's an important first step, and that is creating a relationship so that the child knows that the therapist is safe and knows that um, they're not going to overreact based on what happened. That, uh, the other thing that goes along with that is learning how to cope with those big emotions. Um, they are experiencing them. So we need to get them to a stable place where they know what to do when they get angry, that they know what to do if they're anxious. And those are just simple, sometimes involve games, sometimes uh, sometimes involve the use of a balloon. I had a client recently who uh, took a balloon to the spigot and filled it with water and then asked me to tie it. And then that client looked at me and said, this is what i've been doing with everything that happened to me i'm like the water in the balloon so mm. there it there's a beautiful interplay of mm-hmm. children finding ways to make sense yes. of what's happened i'm to them. so glad
0: you mentioned that story because a lot of the techniques um on teaching kids emotions teaching kids negative beliefs negative thoughts uh involve games involve yes. toys This kind of thing. And um, a parent who doesn't understand that, Mm -hmm. right, or is not open to the idea. And again, is exhausted, Mm -hmm. is tired, Mm -hmm. and they're experiencing some of the worst days in their entire life. Absolutely. Has a potential to look at this and be like, so I'm paying you to play with my child. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It can feel that
0: way. It can, can it? Yeah, It really can. And And we need to empathize with those parents. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But when you bring them into the session, there's a beautiful little relaxation technique that's in a story Mm. where a fly lands on your nose. You close your eyes, relax, relax your body. Can you imagine if a fly landed on your nose? How would you get it off? You'd you'd do this (laughs) with me, you know? switch your nose
0: and you're having the parent do this as well yeah, oh, I ab- love it. absolutely
1: and then the fly comes back then there's an elephant and they have to tighten their muscles and they're actually techniques of relaxation mm-hmm. um they're teaching the child how to do it naturally rather than just being taught
3: it's funny quick side note <clears throat> it's funny to me that parents would have a problem with that when sports are so big in our society
2: and, and they'll
3: pay thousands of dollars to pay for exactly. the sports. Yeah. It's literally playing games. Yeah. And they devote well, their entire lives
0: to Think about them. that, though, from a social psychology standpoint, in the sense that um, in those sports, uh, the adulation and the praise and uh, the opposite of shame, right, mm. is invested in those things. And then here, on the other side of things if my child's been abused in therapy and what they really need is this that's shameful mm-hmm. i'm a bad parent mm-hmm. and and yeah so p- parents are more drawn any of us would be well, more drawn to send money you know some yeah. of it's sports some of its stem Mm-hmm. Right, like I know lots of non-athletic parents that spend thousands of dollars forcing their kids to take piano from two years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and and can you start at uh, two years. I need to find a yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and they spend um, buku bucks sending their kids to the top private schools mm-hmm. in the nation and stuff like that, and those parents too. So. For those of us, you know, who think we're kind of above it all or, or, or whatever, those parents too question therapy. Yes, when uh, when their kids been abused or the kids in a tight spot, um, they might not be putting thousands of dollars towards sports, but mm-hmm. um, it's just easier. And I say all this to say, we need to empathize with them in the hard spot that mm-hmm. they're in. Mm-hmm. But we also do need to be directive in that, like, hey, I get it. This is hard. But trust me,
1: mm-hmm. it works. Right.
0: Come in, work, come in, sit with us right. and I'll show
3: you. I, yeah. I, my main point in bringing that up was not the financial <laughs> aspect. It oh, okay. was the power that games can. Can actually. Provide. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. So we like, oh, so it was ironic. I see what you're saying. So it was it's ironic, ironic for them to that, say, "Well, you can't games use games power and, here. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah.
3: you can't use games for that." And it's like, yeah, we can and we do, and it works and, really well. And guess well. <laughs> what? And
1: that if the parent is confused, the therapist hasn't done their job because yeah. they need to know what's happening with the family and be able to answer those questions. Yeah. whether the, the parents. Um, states it directly as a question or if there's an inference.
4: Yeah. Because I
1: face that too. And again, bringing the parent in and helping them to be a part of what's happening is modeling for them the way that they can can regulate their own children. Um, The other thing that we haven't talked about is shame for kids. Kids experience shame for needing psychological health. And the sad truth is that as much as our culture has changed, we need to to grow and continue to grow in understanding of the importance of therapy. Because statistics and research proves that the lasting effect of abuse on a child will encompass their entire life. They have their statistics that prove that they will have a higher um, incident of Alzheimer's or memory loss. They'll carry the anxiety if it's not treated. It'll impact their work, their families. Um, it's not something that can be swept under the rug. And I think if parents understood that, they would. And if we can educate them in that area, it'll become more acceptable.
0: I wasn't aware of the data connected to Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Actually, uh,
1: it's overall health. There's overall, a, okay. a great um, a great conversation on TED. The TED Talks oh, yeah. uh, by a pediatrician who w- was in an area that had a high incident of ab- abuse, and she looked into it. Um, you have a higher risk of cancer. You have a higher risk of lung disease. There are multiple impacts um, uh, for the kiddo.
3: There's, I, I think we talked about this in one of our podcasts at some point, but we... There was an analogy thrown out by somebody at some point (laughs) that it's kind of the equivalent of being in a pretty bad car wreck Mm -hmm. and then not doing any sort of rehab Mm -hmm. and acting like it trying to act like it never happened. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to go back to another uh, question that one of you asked, and that was, you know, parents are afraid to create the narrative, the story around what happened. Um, Actually, that's the second step in uh, the way that I look at treating First, we have to teach them the skills, then we can start to tell the story and it's going to come out in little bits. Um, The third part of of therapy is once they have a cohesive story and they've been able to work through the emotions and gain an understanding of responsibility for what happened, then it's simply mastery. Um, The program that that I have learned is actually short term. We're not talking about um, for most cases, um, we're not talking about six months in therapy. It's actually highly effective, but that depends on the family. Sure. So
0: So short term being less than six months. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Uh, That's uh, a really good technique in Mm and I know that it's encouraging to our listeners to hear that there's hope out there. Yes. That there there are people who are trained to help your kids. So if they've experienced uh, abuse, yeah. that um, they uh, it's not a dead end road. Well,
1: um, and I if- want to emphasize again, there are some resources on the Internet that we've put together. Uh, I'm going to add some books to the list, but those are designed for parents. There are programs designed so that. Parents know how to navigate this.
0: That we'll put in the show notes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Those will definitely be in the show notes. Um, and I want to add that going back to Doug's uh, statement about uh, football and stuff. All of you listeners out there who have emailed me about picking on Doug. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for your email. <laughs> I know it's coming. Uh-huh. I look forward to reading it. Mm-hmm. And I will apologize to Doug. <laughs> Right wow. now, and I'm yeah. sorry, dog. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mi- I misunderstood uh, your analogy there. Dude, I've slept since we last met. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Stay tuned for the next podcast on
1: angel <laughs>
3: relationships. And then we do a psych eval on that.
1: For those that are listening, please understand that Double. that's part of the normal dynamic between these three gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> I'd to to sit by and we listen. We have been
2: doing an evaluation on you. How you still You 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 fail. Oh, oh, yes. uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, guys, for listening. We love each and every one of you. And thank you, Ann, for Absolutely. coming in. It's been such a joy to have you. Comments, questions, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, reach out to us in any of the ways possible. Email, call, doesn't matter. Yeah. YouTube. Right? Yeah. YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. Hey, yeah.
2: and if there's something that you want us to talk about, let us know. Oh, yeah. Let yeah. us know if there's something that, that you've been thinking about or if something's been spurred or triggered in you that you want to talk about. Just send us a little note.
1: Amen. And we've realized that we've presented a very small amount of information for complex situations. So, yeah, please reach point. out as well and let us know if you need help or if you have questions. We're here.
0: Yes. Thank you. That's great. And in the meantime, don't forget to rejoice in hope, enduring suffering, and persistent prayer. Much love.
3: Relaxed and Free is a presentation of Lakewood Family Therapy. Catch up on other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review. Every review honestly helps us bring you this content. Production and engineering led by Doug Bonebreak. Stay relaxed and free.
4: It's not waste time or take this slow We've got miles behind us but miles to go So let's just break this down to the simplest truth You and I as one will always be better than two. Yeah you
1: and I as one will always
4: be better than